Why did this happen? Why me? If you've ever asked those questions, this show is for you. Let's talk about it with Hector Del Valle on Steve Brown, etc. He's an old white guy, an author, broadcaster, and seminary professor who's sick of religion. And he's brought friends. Please welcome Steve Brown, etc. Hey, we're so glad you're here, and I say it, and I know you're tired of it, but I mean it, and it needs to be said. You always have a place at our table, and we consider it a high and holy compliment that you would spend time in a busy day with us. And I might say that you'll be glad you did. If you're wondering, I'm Steve, the aforementioned old white guy, Matthew Porter, our executive producer, is here. Well, not exactly here. Are you there? Yeah. <laughs> I am. You know, Steve, normally I phone it in metaphorically uh, <laughs> this week. You know, one of the real experience. You've got COVID yes. going on in your house. It's probably your sin. We, we do. Uh, not a fan. Not a fan. <laughs> so, uh, first. And listen, our producer, Jinx, uh, has left us swinging in the wind, but we have a very healthy bench. Jeremy Birdsall is here. He's the producer of the regular Key Life program, and now is the producer of this particular program. It's good to have Jeremy with us. He's also a musician and plays several instruments at the same time. If the program goes south, we'll ask him to perform for us. <laughs> Play a little uh, Just As I Am on the banjo. <laughs> there you go. Yes, one more verse. Our one-man one IT department is John Myers, and he's in his tech bunker. Call him old-fashioned, but John is making his kids read books before they watch the Mission Impossible films. <laughs> and Dr. George Bingham is the president of Key Life. George hopes he has the presence of mind at the end so that his last words are the... <laughs> I can hardly wait for this. <laughs> the treasure is buried under the whatever. <laughs> <laughs> And Kathy Wyatt is, of course, the soft feminine side of the program. Your birthday is tomorrow. And uh, I know I don't say this often enough, but let me <laughs> take this opportunity. <laughs> I really would love a cherry pie sometime <laughs> soon. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how it works now? When it's <laughs> yeah, your birthday, right. you make a pie for somebody else. Okay. <laughs> for you, I can do that. Yes, indeed. Hey, guys, we got to. This is going to be a very interesting program today because we're going to go places where most of you have never gone. We're going to find some things that most of you have never found and think thoughts that most of you, and I include myself, don't think very often. Our guest is Hector Del Valle, and he um, is a nationally recognized, award-winning, bilingual public speaker, 
disability advocate and mentor. He draws from his experiences of helping others overcome challenges in their own lives through his social and his advocacy work. He and I pass each other in church occasionally, and we shake hands, and I thought, you know, I'll bet that, I'll bet he's got a lot to say. And so we've invited him, and you're going to love what we're going to learn today. Uh, Hector, thanks for taking the time to be with us. Um, Steve, I, I, Steve, I can't, can't tell you the honor it is to be here, so thank you. <laughs> the honor is ours. <laughs> I, uh, a number of years ago, uh, we decided to have a ministry to the deaf um, in the church that I was serving, and so we found somebody who could do the signing and frankly she was really pretty and i made her go to the back of the church because people quit listening to the sermon and started looking at her (laughs) (laughs) but as a result of that particular thing i was allowed into a subculture about which i knew nothing uh and it was the deaf subculture i ended up going to a lot of their events being at a lot of the of the places that they gathered. And I began to see there's something going on here that is deeper than I thought. And then we have a friend here at Key Life. His name is Kent Keller, who a number of years ago was attacked what, by a virus. Mm-hmm. We thought he was going to die. It was creeping up his uh, body. And, and now he's in a wheelchair. He's a pastor of a church where I preach in uh, Miami on occasion. And we love him a lot. Um, and uh, one time Kent asked me if I'd come down after this happened. He said, Steve, I have so many dark thoughts. And would you come down and spend some time with me? Because you're the only person I know that I can share this with without that person losing their faith. So I drove to Miami, and we went to a bar, as a matter of fact, back in the back of the bar and sat there almost the whole day. And I listened to what he was saying about what he was going through, the difficulty of it, the, the way people ignored him, the, uh, the wonder about how God could do something like this to him. And he has subsequently over the years opened up a whole new world to me. And it's the world where Hector resides and makes a significant impact in a lot of lives. Hector, to understand what you do, I think uh, the first thing we ought to do is to know something about your personal story. You didn't come out of the womb like this, so... There must be. Tell us about yourself so we can know you better. Well, uh, thank you, Steve. And first of all, you know, you're not the only one that uh, had the wrong motives for going to church. Uh, I was an altar boy simply because I would have a front view of what was going on, (laughs) you know. So, but but that, my upbringing, born in a small town, Dover, New Jersey. Uh, I was the youngest of four children in the family. Uh, my my family's background, my culture is uh, being Puerto Rican, and so my parents were first generation. Uh, they weren't even first generation here, but they were. Uh, I was first generation here in the United States when we and 
you know, again, coming from Puerto Rico, it's part of the territory of the United States. So, you know, sometimes we do treat it as another, you know, yeah. another island separated, but it's not. Um, but anyway, uh, growing up in this family, uh, young as a four, my parents got to a point where they just got tired of parenting, you know, working two jobs, you know, dealing with the other three kids. And these were other, you know, my sister, who was the oldest, uh, Yvette, who, who actually grew up to become a, uh, a Catholic nun, which is quite an amazing story. We have a lot of great stories there. But anyway, um, she was the oldest and she came out with and needed to be in a hospital for over a year. Uh, both my mom and dad suffered from alcoholism, so they struggled with that disease in itself. Oh, geez. And so when I came around, you know, I was just pretty much being brought up with my sister, you know, in between her homework, you know, uh, kind of a, what do we used to call them back then? A key latch kid kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. that's, the, you know, that's, uh, that's how I, I, I grew up. So this was, uh, you know, 60s, 70s. And, um, and so in growing up in this type of family, you know, I just, the guys had it made because all we had to do was just take out the garbage once a week. And, you know, we pretty much had the freedom to do whatever we wanted. The girls, not so much, you know, they had to stay home, they had to clean, they had to follow pretty much my mother's instructions. So anyway, um, you know, I, I, as I would say, you know, we all have our difficulties in our families. We all have our, our dysfunctional families, you know? And so I had mine and, um, and it wasn't until, you know, I would have to say, I started very young with abusing alcohol in the fifth grade. I got caught for drinking. Uh, teacher said uh, on the last day of school, teacher said, Hey, bring a bag of lunch, something to drink. And so me and a couple of our friends got together and we brought something to drink. It just wasn't the healthy kind. Yeah. And so, um, so we got busted in fifth grade. We got suspended for about a week in sixth grade because it was the last day in fifth grade and so forth. Uh, so I wasn't, um, I, I guess the, uh, the substance abuse is what really kicked in to our family um, that this made it so difficult. And it made it a very lonely time, at least for me growing up, because I really didn't have somebody that I can go to. You know, I really didn't have my parents that I can go to. My, even, even my siblings were just all stressed out. We were all stressed out in the house and we were all angry. And so being on the streets was where I found my place where I can escape to. And that's where I escaped. I escaped on the streets, learning all these crazy things, how to drink, how to smoke, uh, how to get high, you know, sex, sex. It was crazy at such a young age. I was out there so long and for so such a while. Again, I wasn't homeless. I had a home. I, you know, very active in the church and so forth. But uh, but it was just almost like, uh, you know, we just growing up Catholic. We were just, you know, hey, we'll take care of that on Saturday, you know, when we go to confession. You know, oh, take man. care of that on Saturday. You know, hey. So that's that's the kind of that's the kind of family I, I grew up in. And then a heavy, horrible, and dark uh, dose of reality. And we're gonna find out about that on the other side of this break. We're asking questions so we can learn about things we don't often encounter but need to know about as we talk to Hedger. He's a nationally recognized, award-winning, bilingual public speaker, uh, disability advocate, and mentor. And you don't want to miss a bit of this.
Hey, thanks for listening to Steve Brown, etc. And if you're enjoying the show, chances are your friends and family would too, right? So help us spread the word by sharing a link, clicking subscribe on YouTube. And if you think about it, drop us a review on your favorite podcast platform, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify. We're pretty much everywhere. Hey, is there one called Podblaster? I mean, it feels like there should be, right? But like no E in Blaster. Just Blaster. 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 Anyhow, that's how the colons do it. Hi, this is Steve Brown, and in case you didn't know, one of the main reasons Key Life exists is to remind believers that God isn't mad at his children. Why am I telling you this? Because our weekly email, Key Life Connection, takes the best of the videos, articles, and puts them right in your inbox. We'd love for you to try it. It's free. Go to keylife.org slash subscribe. Hey, thanks for joining us. Uh, we're talking with Hector Del Valle, and, uh, and um, he's developed a special program for men with spinal cord injury, and he's involved in that because he's been there and he's done that. It's called Thriving Through the Transition, and we'll talk about that as we go along and find out more about that particular program. But if you were listening in the first segment, um, Hector was uh, giving his life story and talking about how he grew up on the streets, struggled with booze and drugs, and kind of was free to do whatever he wanted. His parents were both struggling with alcoholism. And so he learned early to be a street kid and to survive. And then Hector... Continue with that story, because I want to get to the place where you got to where you are now. Gotcha. So, uh, yeah, so school and being around friends was my escape from home. So, you know, school was just another playground. For me, it was all playground. You know, there was, I really, I even saw the classes as playgrounds, you know, and that was my problem. Uh, You couldn't keep me in my seat. You know, I was early diagnosed with ADHD was around the third grade and so forth and so i was a difficult kid you know i i, I was a difficult kid to uh, to be around i guess some would say you know um and so i had a, about a c average student that really wasn't i had a difficult time studying i had a difficult time remembering my schoolwork or just showing up period you know <laughs> and so that happened all the way through all the way to junior high school except in junior high school i found something that really uh got my attention which was uh, gymnastics and gymnastics got my attention. Gymnastics really, it made it fun. I, I couldn't believe what the body could do and so forth. And I was excited about gymnastics. You know, coaches always using me as an example. So I got involved in gymnastics in about junior high school in the seventh and eighth grade. Um, but there was a crossroads in my freshman year in high school. Those two years, uh, seventh and eighth grade, I enjoyed doing gymnastics. I enjoyed, you know, competing and so forth. But what happened in uh, my freshman year in high school, I just got offered. You know, um, first of all, first of all, it was marijuana, you know, and so even though growing up in a very dysfunctional home, um, I tried to stay away from it as, as long as I could, you know, even though, you know, my parents would always say, don't do that, don't do that, you know. So I ended up when I started using uh, in my freshman year in high school. And once I started using freshman year in high school, 
uh, the being in the gym got delayed. It got more less and less time in the gym. It became less of an interest. And yet, there I was in my senior in high school. I amassed to be captain of the gymnastics team. So I was frustrated trying to find my purpose, trying to find my way through this life and how I identify myself. You know, so hey, captain of gymnastics team, cool. That was on the first week of September in 1982. Um, that's when uh, school started. And I was told I was going to be a captain of the gymnastics team on that Friday, September 17th of 1982. Um, it was just a normal Friday. So what I thought in my world was just a normal Friday. So I, uh, I had a 1972 Ford Maverick, all right? Um, it was yellow, so it looked like a school bus, a little bit that school bus kind of <laughs> yellow look. But it was my, it was my little bit, you know? It was, uh, it was just my car. And of course, being Puerto Rican, I had to put a little dog in the back. That went like this, you know? <laughs> that's what everybody else was doing, so that's what I was do you know and so forth so you know for me it was all about an image it was just about an image steve it wasn't about about who i was about what my beliefs were my values my faith none of that stuff came into my life until so much later until i had to learn to identify really understand what those important things of life were so here i was in my you know my senior in high school um i got it together i feel in my head you know i think everybody else is doing with the problem but in my head i got it all together you know, a carpenter's apprentice. I was under the, you know, I was under mentor. Was I was mentoring a carpenter, a master carpenter. I was 17 years old. I had this cool-looking car. I had this older girlfriend, and there I was uh, drinking one night with these girls and um, drinking amaretta, and decided to go and smoke some weed. And about uh, there was a uh, pizzeria, no more than 10 minutes down the road. I had to get on a quick little highway there, but you know, the ride that I've done it before. I've driven intoxicated before in these past uh, six, nine months I had my driver's license for because uh, I got it, uh, you know, it was, my birthday was in January, there was September, and, um, and I had a fake ID. And so I got served that night, went drinking with these girls, smoked some weed, got into my car thinking that I could do it. But I knew I was in trouble because as soon as I went to excuse myself to go to the bathroom and I was rocking back and forth, you know, I knew, and I said it to myself in my head. I said, I shouldn't be driving. I shouldn't be driving. I just ignored it. And I just uh, went on my way with these two girls. Driving down the road, uh, it was about 11, 11 p.m. Uh, at night. And um, I just, all I remember, Steve, was just this one girl just that was sitting in the, in the front seat just screaming in my ear, watch out. And that's all I remember. And then just uh, being thrown around, several times and when I came to I came to with this uh fireman you know trying to talk to me uh trying to put a plastic bag over my head and telling me that everything's going to be all right I ended up hitting two cars in a brick wall and they left me trapped on the side of the wall there so they had to pull the car out uh from the wall and then they had to get in there with the jaws of life to take the door off and um I came to and I just you know I saw him and I was what's going on? Then I went out again, then I came to again, and I went out, and then I came to again in the emergency room, a very angry emergency room that just says, you know, I can't believe this, you know? And then I said, well, I got to throw up. It's just great, you know? And then, so she helped me throw up, and I remember her just saying, that's what you get for drinking and driving. And, um... Oh, man. Do you, did you know the extent of the injuries then? 
and Ben put to say, heck, you know, we're going to have to wait and see because I was some sort of a experimental kid. You know, so so anyway, so there's the accent on September 17th, 1982, left me paralyzed and I was angry, Steve. So where do we go from there? Because it's quite a story. It's, you know, 40 years of experience and so forth. This was 1982. I was a 17 year old kid today. I'm a 57 year old man uh, with wanting to just this desire to just give back what was so graciously given back to me for free. And so I need to give this back. Oh, man. From what I found out these last 40 years. And you do it with tremendous grace uh, to so many people. We, uh, we're we running out of time during this particular segment, but all of a sudden, uh, a teenager with everything going the way you thought it ought to go, and then it all comes crashing down. And as you said, you were angry. I suspect you were angry at God and angry at everybody and angry at the world that could walk and now you couldn't. We're going to hear that story on the other side of this and we're going to enter that world, the world where most of us never go. And we're going to hear about the questions and the pain and the darkness of trying to navigate that. Because there are a lot of people that you know and see. And you'll know the next time uh, kind of what they're feeling, kind of what they've been through. And if you're a Christian, you'll know how to help in a better way than you did before. Hey, don't go anywhere. Like Jesus, we're coming back. Hi, this is Steve Brown, and I'm excited to tell you about a new offer from Key Life called <laughs> Living with Steve. Let me tell you the way it works. I travel with you wherever you go. If you need an entertaining conversation or even a sermon, there I am. That's the good news. The bad news is that it costs a million bucks. <laughs> but wait, there's good news. You can get everything I've just described with the Key Life app. And for a limited time, it's not a million dollars. It's free. Try it now at keylife.org slash app. Hey, thanks for listening to Steve Brown, etc. And if you're enjoying the show, would you help us let others know about it? You can share a link, click subscribe on our YouTube channel, or drop us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks much. So glad you're with us. We're talking to Hector Del Valle, and um, he's been a part of developing a special program for men with spinal cord injury called Thriving Through the Transition. If you've, li- if you've been with us for this program up to this point, you've heard Hector's story, and it's an amazing story. And He left us at the end with a major car accident. Uh, He was uh, high, he was drinking, uh, and he woke up in the hospital and uh, found himself angry. 
and he was out of a dysfunctional family. He was not a great student. He didn't have tools. It was a hard place to be. Hector, um, continuing your journey, I mean, you, you're you a teenager. You, you've discovered some things that you like. Uh, you've got your whole life ahead of you, and then suddenly you wake up and you're paralyzed. Uh, and... Uh, and and I it was completely paralyzed, right? Steve, you can hear me. Lost yeah. Sound. Uh, did we lose sound? Are you there? Yes. And now Are we're you back. Hear me? And now oh, we're back. Okay. Um, yeah, I was just asking. I mean, you've got your whole life in front of you, uh, and then suddenly you wake up and and you're paralyzed, like from the neck down, right? And then take us on that journey from that point to sort of uh, some place of acceptance of the situation and where you felt like you, you could mm -hmm. move forward. Absolutely. Well, that's uh, when I came to, that's, that was the difficult time because um, I found myself, um, I guess I got to step back a little bit there. Because I had a spinal cord injury, I broke my neck uh, in the fifth and seventh vertebrae. And, um, and the thing that you had to use at that time was what to, what's called the striker frame bread. And they would have to pe put people into halos. Their striker frame bread, when I, when I got into the hospital, was in the basement, hasn't been used in years. So now they come in with somebody with this diagnosis, paralysis. They have to go get this thing out of the basement that they haven't used in years. And they have to, contra and they have to attach it to me with these thongs, both two thongs in, in my front of the head, two thongs in the back. And I was, I was stabilized completely so because I had a broken neck, so I couldn't move my neck. And I was on this bed that rotated like roasting a pig. So oh, we're, we're, we're connected to, so then for about 90 minutes, I would then face that wall. And then for another 90 minutes after that, I would then face that wall. And every 90 minutes, they would rotate, hmm. you know, to 90 degrees. And, um, and that's what I woke up to. So when I woke up, I found and uh, saw my brother and my uh, girlfriend at the time, Debbie, looking up at me. And I was like, what, what's going on? I couldn't move my neck. I couldn't move anything, you know? They were just that that's who I saw when I woke up. I didn't understand what was going on, you know. And so they had to explain to me. They had to slowly, one day at a time, explain things to me. In the meantime, I'm going through numerous complications because I had broken ribs, I had uh, internal bleeding. You know, there was a lot of complications that first week after I already woke and I was already out for a coma for about three days, four days, came to, and then for about a week, it's just touch and go, you know, whether live or die. You know, when I'm mm. coming or I'm going or staying, you know, so apparently God chose that I stay. Anyway, from that time to get to that acceptance, it, I always tell people and the sad truth that it took me about 10 years to get to that point of acceptance, mm. you know, to really realize to say, wow, I'm paralyzed from it's just down. What am I going to do with my life? It's one thing that we're already coming into life, right? Who am I? What am I going to do with life, right? You, you have this life at 17 years old and then it, it just gets turned around under you and then it's just a whole different life that I don't want to be in. I really, when I came to Kessler's rehabilitation in West Orange after about a month in the hospital, I thought I was in one flew over the cuckoo's nest, you know, because it was a lot of uh, traumatic brain injuries and spinal cord injuries. These are a lot of the injuries that you saw in military time as well, you know? And so I was in there and I felt like, you know, somebody dropped me off here and left me and my family has abandoned me and so forth, even though that was not the case. If anything, my community and my family came so much closer because of the injury, mm. you know, yet 
when I woke up and found, I, I just didn't understand. And, and, it's, and I was angry at God. I just didn't understand why this was happening to me, you know? And then that's when the whole waves of, of love, support started coming in. Some, some, you know, a lot of really good stuff happening, but I was still confused for those 10 years because I was still trying to find myself within this shattered body, within this body. And that's what it was for me. It was really... Uh, it took for me, it took a long time because I just, for whatever reason, it just took 10 years for me. Some guys get it depending on the type of support network that you have prior to the injury is will give you a better lead of, of how you're going to get those resources and, and that, um, that need that you need to, to deal with this new body, because there's a lot that goes on. Not only does it affect me and my injury, but it affects uh, my family and everybody else. So it took me a while, guys. That's all I can say that it took me a while to get to that acceptance point. But today where I'm at and my relationship with God, that's just a whole nother story. And hopefully we'll be able to touch on that when we come back. Oh, that's good. Man, 10 years. And there's some people that I suspect go through this kind of trauma and never come to the point of acceptance. Live a life of anger and bitterness. And uh, Hector, you're not at all bitter. You have a no. uh, you have a sweetness about you that smells like Jesus, and we're gonna find out where that comes from when we get back on the other side of the break. We're um, we're talking with uh, Hector Del Valle, and um, if you're wondering uh, where he's coming from. He's not running and playing like the other children. He's in a wheelchair, and we're talking about why. If you don't know what it means to be a real man, there are thousands of books waiting to enlighten you. But many of them will leave you burdened with a masculine to-do list or convince you that your manhood has been indelibly marked by an absentee father. These miss the biblical mark. Whether your dad was absent or present, passive or aggressive, positive or negative, you need to know the love of your father in heaven in order to discover who you are and who you are meant to be. This is Pete Allenson, and in my book, Like Father, Like Son, I wanna show you how to recover and reclaim an intimate, growing relationship with your Heavenly Father. Because a man who is forgiven and accepted by his Heavenly Father is free to become like him. Like Father, Like Son, How Knowing God as Father Changes Men Get your copy now at keylife.org slash store. Hey, we're hanging out with Hector Del Valle, and uh, um, you can check out his work. In fact, uh, Willis Washington, who is his partner in crime, (laughs) <laughs> they uh, they have an absolutely wonderful video course that you ought to go to. During the break, George was talking about how he had looked at that material and how it was so applicable, not just to people with spinal cord injuries, but to all of us. Now, I'm going to give you uh, where you can check that work out, and you can correct me if it's not right, Hector, 
thrivingthroughthetransition.com. Is that right? Unfortunately not. (laughs) (laughs) Although that sounds like a great name. (laughs) Can people get all the information they need and the course at that place? Yes. So what they do is they contact hdvspeaks.com. All right, and say they, it uh, one request, more time. Of course. H, H is in Harry, D is in David, V is in Victor, speaks, S P E A K S dot com. And that takes you directly to my website, which then you uh, just have to fill out a, you know, I'd like to request a copy of the course. And we have some information on there. And then that'll, uh, that, that gets to me. Great. Hector, I wanted, um, uh, I wanted to, start down this road um, so that you could talk a little bit about what it is that you and Winston do, um, Willis, I'm sorry, that you and Willis do um, in this course. Um, people, I, I would imagine that most of the people who sign who sign up for this, who want information on it, are people who are, are dealing with obviously some kind of physical impairment or families or caretakers of some kind that want to that want to know more about it. And, and as we move into that, obviously your desire to help people, um, move and move through life with the same kind of situation that you have comes from your relationship with Jesus. Um, and so I, I, you know, we probably should talk a little bit about that as well, but anyway, you have the mic. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I, I do appreciate you because I think for me, um, you know, even though this accident happened in 1982, I think for me, 2017 is what made the difference. And that's when I became baptized at Obito City Church uh, with Dan Lassage there as the pastor. And uh, once I came out of that baptism, I just felt this just amazing brightness, amazing, just like, oh, my God, like I didn't feel alone. You know, of course, mm-hmm. all my other Christian brothers were saying, hey, 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 be careful now, be careful now, because that's the way this is when Satan likes to come in, you know, and, <laughs> and you, know, you know, so anything you commit to Jesus, that's when I was like, okay, but don't tell me that I, I'm enjoying this too much right now, <laughs> you know, um, so, so anyway, so, so once I came to want to the acceptance of, of who I was, you know, but the, the next question was, what do I do with it? What do I do with this life? What do I do with this purpose? And, and what do I do with this relationship? Because that began my relationship, a real relationship with Jesus. It wasn't just one that was, I had to read the Bible, I had to go to Bible school, I had to go to church, but it was a daily relationship. I, my struggle was having a, a one minute conversation with Jesus. I couldn't even do it one minute. I could not be alone with Jesus for one minute without just sitting there and saying, what? What do you want? What, what am I supposed to be doing here? You know? And so, you know, I was frustrated with Jesus. Today, man, I have a relationship with him. Every single minute of the day, he's present. He's present. He's in this conversation. He's present. You know, he's all over the place. You know, that's what got me excited. So with that excitement, with that relationship, I had to find a purpose. Of course, my relationships and my friendships, like with Willis, was amazing because we've always stayed in contact. We were always supporting each other. He had goals. I had goals. You know, going back to school or going back to work to try to find what it is, that value, that work that we have within ourselves. And so we just started putting our thinking hats on, uh, hats on. Uh, we, we, we've been talking about this course for years. And once we were able to put it in this book form to ask those very difficult questions that we had a difficult time asking ourselves, you know, like, what do I do now? 
with this body? What can I do? And sometimes people are limited right away because of their outsides, their barriers, you know, like getting off a sidewalk, getting out of bed, getting dressed. You know, for somebody who's paralyzed, this is now a barrier. How do I get around it? Who, you know, who helps me through this process? It's a whole piece of education that we have to get around. Um, but I just wanted to make sure that we cover the information that you're asking me here. So, Kathy, can you uh, can you just follow up with me on that course? You know, that question, the way you asked it, and make sure. Well, that I'm just it. I'm curious. Um, just from some specifics, like how long mm-hmm. is the course? And what are some of the, obviously we can't do a lot, but some of the specific things that you, that you deal with, um, that you bring up that people want to know, people have, you know, want to know how to deal with uh, obviously a lot of things. Right. So, yeah. So, so we just, uh, matter of fact, we just completed the first pilot course that we did. It's a six week course. All right. It's about goes on for six weeks. We meet once, uh, we meet on Saturdays for two hours where we come together as a group. All right. We stay connected throughout the entire week on Messenger. All right. So we have a little chat. It's all done virtually. It's men from all around the country. It's with 10 men from all around the country. We first, this, the, the course was created for men with new spinal cord injuries. But when we started meeting with men, we started ending up meeting with men for five years, 10 years, 15, 30, all the way from, it varied from five years post-injury to 47 years post-injury. Wow. And we were kind of surprised that we didn't, weren't expecting that. We were expecting to get new people with new injuries, you know, go out to hospitals and meet some, some new injuries. But that didn't happen. The guys that wanted to know more about the course were guys with time. So anyway, we, we met with them for an hour individually. We interviewed them to see if they would be a good fit for the course. Once we made that decision, uh, they committed. We wanted them to commit. They committed financially, mentally, emotionally with their time, treasures and everything. And they showed up on Saturdays for two hours with the rest of the men. And we started talking to topics like our bodies, our bodies. We started talking about how do we feel about our bodies then? How do we feel about our bodies now? What are we doing right now? How are we taking care of our bodies physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially? What are we doing? How do these, these, these five pillars affect our lives with this paralysis? That's, the, that's the, the core of the course is to help you find that value and that worth, something that motivates you, inspires you to really move forward. You don't have to have all the answers right now, but you have to have this desire, this passion to just simply want to know more if there's more than just the body and this body, you know? So that's what we're trying to do is develop that relationship with with the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. You know, Hector, we're out of time. I don't know where this hour went. It has been an incredible hour. And we've seen things we haven't seen before. You guys that are watching or listening right now, you need to know that the principles that Hector and his friend uh, teach, Willis, are principles that aren't just for spinal cord injury, people. It's for all of us who are going through difficult times in life. You ought to check it out. And Hector, we rise up and call you blessed. Man, you took the lemon and made lemonade. And you serve the lemonade to so many people in such wonderful ways. Thank you for taking your time to be with us today. Thank you for having me. Guys, we are going to come back and tell you who we're going to do it unto next week. And as always, you will be astounded and amazed with the guest lineup of this particular program. So don't go anywhere. 
or you'll get the hives. This is Pete Allenson, and if you're a guy, I want to show you how to recover and reclaim an intimate, growing relationship with your Heavenly Father. Check out Like Father, Like Son, How Knowing God as Father Changes Men. Available now at keylife.org store. Hey, thanks for listening to Steve Brown, etc. And if you're enjoying the show, would you help us let others know about it? You can share a link, click subscribe on our YouTube channel, or drop us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks much. What if you could start your day by hanging out in God's Word and with some of the most significant theologians, authors, and pastors ever? That's the idea behind the one-year devotional, God With Us. Find it now on keylife.org store. When Christ promised we could live life to the full, He didn't just mean eventually in heaven, because Jesus didn't come to save us from our humanity, but to restore it. Life with a capital L. Find it now on keylife.org store. That was an interesting hour, man. I had about a thousand more questions to ask. And you please note that our executive producer, Matthew, said nothing. Uh, And I wanted to make sure that you saw that he does exist. The rapture has not occurred. We're uh, all still here, and Matthew is too. He puts this together, but it's confusing when you're not sitting at the table. And it's a sin to confuse old guys, Matthew. I just want you to know that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, some one of the callings of being a Christian isn't so much to have truth and figuring out a way to deliver that truth to other people. You gotta listen, you gotta watch, you gotta understand, and you gotta go deeper than that. So often we don't understand what others are going through. Uh, There is probably no place where that is more true than we have seen with Hector and the, the, um, the spinal injury that he suffered for so many years. To be able to hear of the confusion and the anger and the difficulty, because if you drop your Christian truth on people, and you've never listened, and you've never known what they've gone through. Nobody's going to listen. I wrote a book a number of years ago called How to Talk So People Will Listen. I was teaching communications at a seminary, and I figured I ought to write something that had something to do with what I was teaching. A friend of mine said, you ought to change the title and call it How to Listen So People Will Talk. So what we've done today is that we've listened to a man who's gone through some hard stuff. Uh, Learn to listen to your neighbors, to your friends, to those who are in wheelchairs, those who seem wacky and out of sync with normalcy. Learn to listen and listen a long time and then talk about Jesus. You'll be surprised at what that does. Okay, who's going to be... We're going to find a blind guy next week, right? Oh, good grief. (laughs) I don't think I'm going to tell you. (laughs) It's because you don't know. 
Uh, it's going to be a very, a very enlightening week next week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you're excited about it. I'm thrilled. I am you just thrilled. don't have any idea what it is. Oh, I have a, I have a number of ideas. <laughs> Listen, guys, at least a notion. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> hey, you show up next week, same time, same place. And between now and then, don't do anything we wouldn't do. And that gives you a wide, wide. Break.